you know. Sometimes the waters part, sometimes they don't, and we still trust in the Lord anyhow. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. We still trust in the Lord anyway. We're not going to we're not going to give up or turn back or be defeated or any of that stuff. Amen. We're going to trust in the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. I open your Bibles tonight, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. I forgot to mention, too, we are, um, we are, we'll, we will be having revival uh, 6, September 6th, 7th, and 8th with Brother Leon Batchelor. So um, if you all remember Brother Leon, I tell you, he is a blessing, he and his wife. And uh, they'll be with us on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning and Sunday night. So uh, we're going to have some special prayer meetings um, um, coming up. And we'll be making announcements about that on Tuesday evenings for the revival, okay? On Tuesday evenings. So uh, the church will be open and we'll be encouraging people to come and spend some time in prayer uh, on Tuesday evenings. Praying for the revival, praying for a move of God, praying for, um, for souls to be changed and uh, souls to be saved and lives to be changed. All right? Okay. All right, everybody found Matthew 6. I finally found it. All right. <laughs> Praise God. We, we are um, on Wednesday nights, we are studying and ministering on what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And um, we are all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. People use this as a prayer to pray. They recite it as a prayer. And um, I think probably most everyone here in this, in this service tonight could quote or recite the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave this prayer, though, not to be just a prayer to be read or to be recited or repeated by rote, but He gave this prayer as a pattern for us to have for our own individual, for our own prayer life. It was given in a response, actually it was given two different places, and in Luke chapter 11 it was given to His disciples in response to their question, or their asking Him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught His disciples. And so when they asked the Lord to teach them to pray, He gave them this pattern of prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer probably would be better called the Disciples' Prayer because it was the prayer given by the Lord for the disciples to use as a pattern in their prayer life to help them to know how to pray. And I think that all of us need to know a little bit more about prayer and how to pray and how to pray effectively. And so this pattern that the Lord, that the Lord has given here and uh, we're going to read it from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and it's found from verses 9 through 13. But this, um, this pattern was given, and uh, it's, more, it's an outline, it's a prayer outline with six topics that are given here for us to use to help us in our prayer time. And as we pray through these six topics... Um, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us in these areas. Um, you can cover 
just about anything in prayer and everything that you need to cover and, um, and receive some great blessings from the Lord. Do you believe that? So we're studying this pattern of prayer and been talking about it the last couple of weeks. And uh, we saw last week, let me go ahead and read it. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, After this manner pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The first topic and the first aspect of this prayer we talked about last week and uh, was um, the, uh, our Father which art in heaven. The prayer begins, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That was the first prayer topic that Jesus gave, and we talked about that last week, how that our prayers should begin, our time with God should always begin as we come into His presence and recognize Him as our Father. And there must be a right relationship established between us and the Lord for us to be able to effectively pray. We have to understand that we are, we are His son or daughter, we are His child by virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. That we're saved because we've placed our faith in Jesus. And uh, we have a right and the privilege to come into the presence of God and fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Amen. Because to the world He's God, but to us He's Father. Amen. He's, we're in relationship with the Lord. And so we recognize God as our Father. We recognize the relationship that we had and that it's through the blood of Jesus. And as I said last week, this entire prayer is, is established on the finished work of, of the cross. It's established on what Jesus did at Calvary. And, as we'll, and we'll see more of that as we go through. But all of the benefits that we have... Um, that we recognize in this prayer are benefits that are ours through what Jesus did for us at Calvary. So we come into His presence to recognize Him as Father, but then what was the first aspect of prayer? Hallowed, our Father which art in heaven, what was it? Hallowed be thy name. So the word hallowed means to adore, to set apart, to sanctify, to praise, to worship. And so the very first aspect of prayer when we come into the presence of God is we come before His presence with worship. We come into His presence to hallow His name, to praise Him and to worship Him for the benefits that He has provided for us. And so if you'll remember last Wednesday, um, we talked about the seven or the eight, the eight redemptive names of Jehovah that were given in the Old Testament. And that all, every, each one of those names 
um, reveals some of the character of God and His benefits and who He is to you and I as His people, as His children. Amen. And so when we hallow His name, we're coming into His presence to praise His name and to thank Him and to praise Him because of the benefits and for the benefits for who He is. Remember we said we praise Him for who He is and for what He has done for us. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. So we praise Him for our forgiveness of sin and that He has made us righteous by the blood of the Lamb. He is Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies us. So we're praising Him that not only have we been forgiven of sin, but we also have been made free from the bondage and from the power of sin in our life, and sin has no more dominion over us. We praise Him because for His name Jehovah Rapha, which is the Lord, our healer. We praise Him as our healer. We praise Him as our provider, as the one who supplies, who sees and meets our needs. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And uh, so we went through those eight names, which um, in those eight names are revealed five different benefits that are ours through Jesus Christ that we come into God's presence worshiping and thanking and praising Him for what He's done for us. Amen? That's the proper protocol to come to the Lord in prayer. Do you agree with that? We don't just rush into His presence and start laying down requests and we just don't go in there, you know. Now, as I said last week, there are, there are times that there's emergency prayers that we have to throw up there, you know. Help is one, you know. Uh, every once in a while, we have emergency prayers. Uh, so you don't have to go through all this protocol. But on a day-to-day basis, when we're in, going into the presence of God, we approach Him as Father. We know we come into His presence through His Son, through the blood of Jesus, and we come before His presence with thanksgiving. Enter His gates, Psalm 100 and verse 4. Enter His gates with what? Thanksgiving. And enter His courts with praise, okay? So that's how we come before the Lord. And you know what? Um, It's okay it's okay if, if your whole prayer time is just spent in the presence of God, worshiping Him, thanking Him, praising Him, adoring Him, exalting Him, and that you would spend your whole time in prayer doing that and not ask for one single thing would be perfectly fine and all right with the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you, that you are not to pray, ask for your needs to be met, but I'm just saying this, that um, most of the time in most Christians' prayer lives, that, that, that is uh, kind of reversed, and it seems like that most of our prayer time is made up of petitions and requests and asking, in which that's fine. I mean, God wants us to ask for things that we need, doesn't He? We'll get into that aspect of it probably next week. But, but, but we spend all of our time petitioning and asking and pleading and begging and crying. And boy, I'll tell you what, very, and, and then very little time thanking and praising and worshiping. And that needs to be reversed. 
Amen. And there needs to be more time thanking and praising and honoring and worshiping and adoring Him for who He is and what He's done for us. And the more you do that, I, I believe, really believe this, the more we worship and praise Him, the more He'll just do for us without us even having to ask Him for things. Amen. Praise God. So we enter, his, we enter the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. But the second part of this prayer tonight that we want to deal with is, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I wish we had more people here to hear this aspect of the prayer. Because this aspect of, the, of, of prayer, this particular area of our prayer life is so important because in this part of the Lord's Prayer, we have come in, we have thanked Him for His benefits, but now as we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, we are now submitting ourselves to God's reign and His rule and His will for our lives. Now... God reigns, reigns over us when we obey Him and when we accept His rule and His authority in our lives. And this is, some, this is part of prayer that we need to understand that prayer, our prayer time involves a committing ourselves and a consecrating ourselves to the Lord and praying for His will to be done in our life and submitting ourselves to His will for our life. Are you with me? This is a very vitally important part of our daily prayer life because you and I are a part of the kingdom. of We are in the kingdom of God tonight. And um, as, as a part of the kingdom of God, we become active in His ministry working with Him and Him working in us to defeat the devil, to defeat the powers of darkness on this earth and to bring, bring men and women into the kingdom, bring others into the kingdom of God to see sinners saved and, and brought into the kingdom and, and, the, and other people receive the blessings of the kingdom of God and God's reign in their life. Are you with me? Amen. Now... Um, this aspect of prayer is where we establish God's priorities in our life. We establish God's priorities in our lives. And I, and I, and I, and I feel like probably a lot of times Christians get their priorities mixed up and we get, we get our priorities messed up. But in this part of, of our prayer time, this is where we establish our priorities, get them right, and establish the priorities of God in our life and declare that God's will be done in our life. Now, how many of y'all here tonight would, would be honest with me and say, I want the will of God to be done in my life every single day? Amen? Man, I'm telling you, yeah, I think that that should be 100% because we want the will of God to be done in our life. And here's the thing, you know, you see in the world today, God gets, God gets a bad rap because God gets blamed for all the bad stuff 
that's going on, you know, in, in the world today. You know, any tragedy or any, any catastrophe that happens, you know, the insurance companies say, well, that was an act of God. Well, you know, <laughs> we, got a, we got a tree limb blew out of a tree in, uh, in that windstorm yesterday morning that fell on our neighbor's house, on the top of our neighbor's house. And you can't make me believe that God knocked that tree limb out to harm his house. God didn't do that. So there's a lot of things. Here's my point. There's a lot of things and stuff going on in the world today right now that is not the will of God. Everything that's happening in the world today is not the will of God. Are you listening to me? But God gets the blame for it. There is a devil out here. Now, there are two different kingdoms. There's two different kingdoms. And you and I are a part of one kingdom. Everybody in this world, on this earth, on this planet, is a part of either one kingdom or the other. There's the kingdom of, of God, and there's Satan's kingdom. There's the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of light. All right? There was a time that I was in the kingdom. You all were in the kingdom of darkness. But thanks be to God that the Lord has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Amen. We are in the kingdom of God tonight through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I am in His kingdom. I'm a part of His kingdom tonight. Amen? The kingdom of his dear son. And so um, we're, we're in the kingdom of God tonight and we've got to establish the will of God in our life. Now when you study this particular phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in the Greek the verbs are, are placed, the Greek language is a little different and if you read uh, or study an inter, a Greek interlinear Bible, you'll see that the verbs are placed at the beginning in these two statements. So literally it says this, Come, kingdom of God, be done, will of God. So it's not something, it's not, in the Greek text, it's not something that we're pleading with God to do or begging God to do, but it's actually something that we are, it's kind of like a man uh, or a person, you know, saying, I'm, you know, well, I'm going to put my foot down. This is the way that it's going to be. I'm putting my foot down. So when it comes to praying and establishing the kingdom of God in our lives, you're not begging God to do something, but you are declaring God's will to be done in earth, in your life, as it is in heaven. Amen. God's perfect will is being done in heaven right now and all the time. Isn't that right? And I want God's perfect will, and God wants His perfect will done on the earth. Now there's coming a day when the literal kingdom of God is coming to this earth, and God's perfect will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? But right now, the literal kingdom is not here. But we are in the, the kingdom by our profession of our faith. Jesus told some people one time, He said the kingdom of God is not coming with observation. He said, but the kingdom of God is in you. 
Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is in you. You're in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in you. I've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son and in his marvelous light. Woo! So there's coming a day that the perfect will of God and the kingdom of God will be done on this earth. And we're to pray for that. But right now, we're to be praying and declaring and decreeing God's kingdom, His reign, His rule, and His will be done in me, in my life today. Come on, somebody. Amen? Now, how many knows that God has a will for your life every day? It's not just, you know, we're just not floating around here and, and what is to be will be. Amen. God has a plan and He has a purpose and He has a will for your life. And we've got to establish that will of God in our life every day through prayer. We've got to literally claim in prayer God's will for our life for that day. We've got to literally put our foot down and enforce and claim and declare the will of God and enforce God's will in our life for that day because Satan will do everything he can to try to stop and thwart God's will from happening and taking place in your life. And a lot of people won't, you know, there's a lot of people that won't pray. They won't read their Bible. They, they, they you know, they just kind of live a haphazard life. And then if and when something goes wrong in their life, they want to blame God for it. And they say, well, or else they'll say, well, I guess it was just God's will for that to happen. And that's not necessarily the case. We need to take time every day to make sure that we're praying for God's perfect will in our life. And every day to be listening in our spirits for the voice of God to be led by Him to be ruled and reigned in our hearts and lives by His Spirit. Amen? He's got a will for you. He's got a will for your life tomorrow. And so we've got to establish that by prayer. We've got to stand as believers in the victory that Jesus has already won for us because just because the victory's been won does not mean that it's going to be automatic in our life. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, but you and I have to appropriate that. We talked about it a little bit in the prayer meeting yesterday morning where Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. It's not just the truth that makes you free, but it's the truth you know and appropriate in your life that will make you free. Are you with me? So we've got to stand in that victory and claim the promises of God that he's provided for us and refuse all of Satan's attempts to hinder God's purposes in our life. We're kindly drawing that line in the sand, you know, and, and saying, okay, devil, you're not coming, you're not coming here. I'm covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to refuse Satan's attempts to hinder God's purposes and God's will in our life because he will try his best, Satan will, to stop the will of God in your life. Now, your priority, the priority must be the kingdom of God in you. 
What is a kingdom? A kingdom, a kingdom has a king, first of all. Is that right? Kingdom is the it's a, it's a domain or a dominion of a king. So if you're in the kingdom of God, then you've got a king that's ruling over your life. Are you listening to me? And that it, it isn't no slew foot anymore. It isn't the devil anymore. You've got a king that's ruling over your life and his name is Jesus. And the kingdom must be a priority in our life. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, What did he say? And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. So when God and the kingdom of God are not first in your life, when the kingdom of God and the will of God is not first priority in your life, everything else is going to be out of line in your life. If you, if you get the first part of this wrong, then everything else is going to be wrong. It's kind of like buttoning your shirt. If you, if you get that, yeah, anybody ever done that? If you get that first button in the second hole, the whole thing's going to be crooked and you're going to have to start all over from the top and redo it again. Are you with me? And a lot of times everything gets, gets crooked in our life because we get our priorities messed up and we're seeking everything else except the kingdom of God first. And I could go off on that and, and do some preaching on that, but I don't have time tonight But uh, to do that. But... But first priority has got to be that we're seeking God's kingdom, His rule, His reign, and His dominion, and His will for our life. I'm going to tell you what, as, as we are seeking first the kingdom, what does this mean? The Bible says this in Romans 14, 17. Paul said this about the kingdom of God because they were talking about different things about, about whether or not they could eat meat sacrificed to idols, whether they could drink certain things or do this or do that and uh, you know some of them thought it was okay to eat the meat sacrificed to idols some of them thought it was wrong and the ones that thought it was wrong was criticizing the ones that didn't and they was just having a big mess and so Paul said this to them in Romans 14 17 he said this for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but here's what it is it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost it's righteousness it's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost so this is what we're seeking after God's righteousness to rule and reign in our heart oh if we're seeking first the kingdom his righteousness to reign seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness what's his his rightness his way of living and doing things and his joy and his peace, those are aspects of the kingdom. And as we seek God's kingdom and his will to be done in our life, we're seeking every day. Is everybody with me? I haven't lost yet. We're seeking every single day. We're seeking his will, his wisdom, his direction first, his course and direction in our life to be set every single day. Today, Lord, 
I don't want my will. I want your will. I need your direction. I need you to reign in my heart, Lord. I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me. I don't want to do my own thing, but I want to be led by the Spirit of God. If we could get the entire body of Christ to pray like that every day, woo, what a chance. We would be in the midst of a Holy Ghost revival. If everybody would pray, your will be done in my life today. Not my will, but yours. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Calm down, Brother Rick. So we set the course of our life every morning in prayer by declaring and decreeing God's kingdom and God's will to be done in our life in, in prayer every day. Need to do it every day. Getting a couple amens. Now there's four major areas for us to pray God's will for. Four major areas. And we'll touch on these and then I'll let you go home. How's that? Four, and you may want to jot these down or get the CD. CDs are on sale. <laughs> but there's four major areas for us to pray the will of God every day. And the very first one is you pray the will of God, as we've already mentioned, for yourself. Now I'm going to say this. You've got to be sure that you're right before God. And if you don't pray for yourself, there's a chance maybe nobody else is praying for you. I hope, hopefully that's not the case. But you need to pray for yourself. And that's not being selfish. But you need to establish the will of God in your life for yourself every day of your life and be sure that you are right before God. Because listen, if you're like me, then you, and I realize this every day, you need divine wisdom and you need divine direction in your life. And so when we're praying for ourselves and declaring the will of God to be done in our life, we're asking the Holy Spirit to empower us with His ability, with His strength, with His might. The kingdom of God is with, is, is with power. One place the scripture says that it's with power. So when we're, we're, we're declaring the kingdom of God, we're claiming His power, the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us with His power, with His might, and with His ability. And you need to understand something today that you cannot, I cannot, none of us can make it through a day without the power of the Holy Spirit helping us in every aspect of our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. So we, we pray then over uh, the particular concerns that we face during the day. Uh, Philippians 4 and 6, and we talked about it, I think mentioned it Sunday night. But Philippians 4 and 6 says for us not to be anxious about anything but to pray about everything, all right? So every day when you're praying this part of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, you pray over particular things when you're praying for yourself, things, that concerns that you will face during that day. Pray about everything and stay there before the Lord until you know that the Spirit of the Lord is working in your life and that He's setting the course of your life for that particular day, that He's going to lead you. The Bible says that the steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Amen. 
So I want him to order my steps of my life every day. I don't want to make a blunder. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to fail, and neither do you. So we're, we're giving, we're showing our dependence upon the Lord. Your will be done in my life. Amen? Proverbs 3, you know, says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, what does it say? In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will what? Direct your paths. I need that in my life. I want His will in my life. So the first area you pray this prayer for, for God's will, is in your own personal life for that day. And listen, this is a, this is a principle that has to be established every day. Don't just get up on Monday and say, all right, Lord, have your way and your will be done in my life all this week and I'll see you again next Monday. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad we can have fun, but that's, that's the way some people are. It's kind of like Ron Ock said one time, he told his wife, you know, they come home with, <coughs> they, they were praying over their breakfast and praying over the lunch, praying over the dinner, and they come in from the grocery store, and he said, you know what, we could save a whole lot of praying if we'd just pray over all these groceries right now. <laughs> We'll just pray over the whole load of groceries when we bring them home from the store and then we want to pray over every meal. Well, some people, that's the way they think about prayer. Well, I'll just pray a prayer today and it'll last me a week or two, but amen. What's the old saying? Seven days without prayer makes one week, W-E-A-K. Amen. So we never want to get out of the will of God for our life. Do you agree with that? Establish the will. But the second area that you pray God's will over and God's will for in this part of your prayer is you want to pray. Your second priority in prayer must be for your family. Must be for your family. Number one, if you're married, pray for your spouse. Every day, pray for them. Amen? Don't go in there and tell tell God how mean and ornery they are. Amen? But pray for them. Pray God's righteousness and peace and joy and His kingdom to rule and reign in the life of your spouse. Pray that God would fill them with, the right, with His righteousness. That God would bless them throughout the day and fill them with His peace and joy. That the Holy Ghost will rule and reign in their lives. Amen? You need to pray. Listen, I'm going to say something. There's a move. There is a move of, of not of God, a move of the devil today to destroy... The traditional marriage, of course, to destroy the home, to destroy the marriage relationship. And there's an attack, an all-out war, an attack to destroy homes and marriages. We know the divorce rate is 50% or more. It's been that way for quite some time. And what's appalling is and alarming is that even among Christians and among ministers... In the ministry, that the divorce rate is just about as high as it is in the world. And listen to me, that should not be the case. That should not be. What's wrong? Is that the will of God? No, that's not the will of God. The Bible says God hates divorce. Amen. 
And so that's not the will of God. But my point is this. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for our, uh, for our marriage. Y'all, you, you all that are married need to pray for your marriage relationship and pray for your spouse. Amen. And pray for the love of God to abound toward one another. Are you with me tonight? Hallelujah. And so um, pray for if your spouse needs salvation. There's some cases, you know, a lot of cases where, where one, the husband is saved, the wife isn't, or vice versa. And uh, that's, that, you know, that, that spouse, that, that spouse needs to be saved. It's a difficult thing. And I'm glad I have a, a spouse, a wife that has lived, that lives for the Lord. I don't have to deal with that. But it's a difficult thing when, when one in that family is not saved and the other one is saved. It's a difficult thing. But that, but that wife or that husband that is saved every day, you need to pray for the salvation of that, of that spouse, that they would come to know the Lord, that they would, that they would give their hearts to Jesus. Amen? Pray for their salvation that the Lord would save them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. If they are saved, pray for them that they would walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. Pray for them in, in all those areas that they would bear the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Pray for that, for that wife, that husband, that God would strengthen them, that they would be full of the Spirit, that God would direct their steps throughout that day. If they need healing, pray for their healing, whatever. Pray for your family. Your, your wife, your husband, pray for them. Lift one another up in prayer. And so you pray for yourself, you pray for your, your, your spouse, but then the third, the third area is pray for your children. Pray for your kids and your grandkids. Oh, hallelujah. Pray for them by name. Call their names out to the Lord in prayer. And, and, and as you call their name, kingdom of God come into their lives. Will of God be done in their lives today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bind the powers of darkness if they're, if they're unsaved children that don't know the Lord. And I know many of us have children that have wandered away and they're not saved. They don't know Jesus. But I'm going to tell you what, we, we got to hang on to the Lord and to the promise of God and pray every day for those children and call their names before the Lord because I'm telling you, God hears those prayers. Amen. God hears those prayers and take authority over Satan and that spiritual blindness and darkness and command the devil to take his hands off of God's, of, of our children, of our grandchildren. Amen? The will of God be done in their life and make specific petitions for those children as you pray for them and listen to what the Holy Spirit may have to say to you about them. Because I'm going to tell you, we know that if we have children that are not saved, that that's not the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is for all of our family, our children, our grandchildren. His will is our entire household be saved. He's not willing any perish, but all come to repentance. Amen? 
We do not subscribe to, uh, you know, a limited atonement teaching or a Calvinistic teaching that says that some are predestined to be saved and some are predestined to be lost. We don't believe that because we don't believe the Bible teaches that. But what we do believe is that Jesus died for the whole world, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that how many? Whosoever believes, whosoever believes, whosoever, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. So we know that it is the will of God for those children that you have that are out of the ark of safety, it is the will of God that they be saved, that those grandchildren come to know Jesus, call their names before God, and, 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 and do some spiritual warfare and say, devil, you are not gonna have my family. I claim them today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so set that priority, the kingdom of God, that, that God will rule and reign in their lives and God's will shall be done in their lives. And you'll have to pray that every day because you'll pray it today and God will be moving on them and they can reject that. So what do you do? Well, I prayed, but they just seem like they're not getting any better. They're getting worse. You go back in there the next day and declare, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in this child's life, in that grandchild's life. Amen? Pray for those children. Pray for their spouses if they're married. If they're not married, pray that they'd marry the spouse God wants them to marry. <laughs> Amen. Pray for those grandchildren. I pray for them that they'll be, find the Lord and be saved at an early age and that they'll never know what it is to go out into the world and get involved in drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff. You know, People have, people have filled church buildings up to hear a testimony of somebody that's been, um, been at the very bottom of Skid Row and how God's delivered them and what a testimony it is of the saving grace of God. And that is a good testimony. A good testimony. But you know what I think is a better testimony? To be able to stand up and to say, Hallelujah, the Lord got a hold of my kids and saved them at an early age, at a young age, and they never knew what it was to drink, and never knew what it was to do drugs, and never knew what it was. Amen? That's the best thing. That's the best thing. Would you agree with that? That'd be the best thing, that the Lord just saved them and they wouldn't ever get in that kind of a mess. And whether our children, our grandchildren, our family members are saved is going to depend upon how we pray for them, how we pray. So pray for them that they'll be in, stay in the perfect will of God and that God would give you wisdom as a parent to train them in the way that they should go. So you pray for yourself and your spouse and your children and then thirdly you pray for your other family members as the Lord directs. Ask the Lord to lay other family members on your heart. And if you get hung up in prayer over one particular person and you just can't move on from that, well, that's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you they need special prayer today about something. So just pray until you get a release. Pray for that individual until you get a release from the Spirit, until the burden lifts. And that's where, that's where the, the importance of praying in tongues comes in. 
praying in the Spirit comes in, where you can pray and intercede and pray for them in that prayer language about stuff that you don't even know may be going on in their life. But pray until that burden lifts, until you pray that thing through. Amen? Don't be, don't be in a hurry. We get in such a big hurry to rush in and hurry up and pray because we got so many other things to do and folks, we're just too busy. We got, if you have to get up earlier, get up earlier. I hope I'm not boring you tonight. But get up earlier, whatever you have to do to spend some time, some quality time in the presence of the Lord. Okay, let's move on real quick. Uh, praying for yourself. You're declaring the kingdom of God. You're declaring the will of God, the rule of God, and the reign of God in your life, in your spouse's life, in your uh, children's life, in other family members' life. But you need to pray this as well for your church. Pray for your church. Pray for your church. Don't criticize your church. Don't talk about your church. Don't run down your church. But if you say anything about Abundant Life Family Church, get in a prayer closet and tell it to Jesus. Come on, pray for your church. Pray for your church. Hallelujah. Pray for your pastor. I need your prayers. Ask God to anoint your pastor. Ask God to speak to your pastor and direct him and give your pastor a shepherd's heart. Pray that God would import wisdom and revelation um, to your pastor as he is studying and praying and seeking God in the Word of God and that God would make that man a, a channel through which the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit will flow. You know, when Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 18, he said, you know, uh, he, he talked about praying with all kinds of prayer uh, for all the saints. And then in verse 19, he said, and me, pray for me, pray for me. Here the great apostle Paul, the man that wrote two, what, two thirds of the New Testament and he was requesting prayer. Pray for me. He needed prayer. Well, I'm going to tell you, if Paul needed prayer, Rick Hensley needs prayer. I've got to have prayer. Hold me and my family, my wife, up in prayer every day. Pray for your pastor. Amen. Pray for the leadership of your church. Call the leaders' names in prayer. Pray for them one by one. And I'm talking about those who are in leadership positions, the deacons and the Sunday school teachers and the ministry leaders, the worship team. The pray for this worship team every time you pray. Pray for Miss Leona every time you pray. And, and for these singers and these musicians. God, bless our worship team and anoint them. Amen? Praise God. Pray for the Sunday school teachers that teach every Sunday in, in these classrooms from the nursery age up to the senior adult. Pray for those teachers. Pray for, pray for those, uh, as I said, our, our board members, our deacons. Pray for them. Ask the Lord to bless them and empower them and use them and give them wisdom and guidance and direction. And pray that every ministry here at Abundant Life Family Church ask God to make every ministry a healthy ministry and to increase it and to cause it to grow that we can reach out and reach the lost in this community for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for the leadership of the church and pray for the people that attend this church and pray for the faithfulness of those people. Pray that those in the church that are a part of Abundant Life Family Church will be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will be faithful to the Word of God, that they will be faithful to their families. Amen. I think I've lost some of y'all. Are you with me? 
Pray that God will, and I'm talking about the people that are a part of this church. I thank God for every person that's part of this church. And we pray for you all. But pray that the Lord will plant and establish every person that he has brought here, that he will plant them and establish them right here in this church where he's brought them to. God said that we would be like a tree planted by the rivers of raw water. And we don't have enough trees planted. We have a lot of tumbleweeds, but we don't have a lot of trees. Oh, we're getting some notes now on that. Amen? It's kind of like a ghost town, you know. You see those old ghost towns on the old westerns and the wind's whipping through there and you just see an old dry tumbleweed tumbling down through. And I said, that reminds me of how some Christians are. They'll tumble to one church for a while and then they'll tumble to another church. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. No, pray. Listen, pray that God would establish us. Pray that God would plant the people that are abundant life. Lord, let them, let them, be, let them be planted by the rivers of water. All right, amen. Teach us, Lord, to pray for our church and for the faithfulness of the, the people. Pray for those that, that they would bring forth fruit. The people of Abundant Life Family Church would be fruit-bearing saints, that they would grow in the things of God, that they'll be faithful in their giving and in their tithing, that they'll bring their tithe to the storehouse. Pray, listen, listen, pray for unity and togetherness and harmony and love within the body of Christ. Lord, bind us together as one. Jesus prayed that prayer. Make them one, even as you, Father, and I are one. Make us one and give us unity and harmony within the church. So we're praying for the faithfulness of the people. And the last area that we pray for with our church, concerning our church, is that we need to pray for the harvest. Jesus said that the, that the fields are white to harvest. And he, Jesus left a prayer request and he said, you pray that God would send laborers, that God would send forth laborers into the harvest. Oh, we need to be praying for laborers. We need laborers here. And you know what? You and I, we need to pray, God, oh, come on. We need to pray, God, make me a laborer. Get, 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 come on. Oh, get me up and get me out, Lord, and put a zeal in me to go out and be a laborer in your field. Use me. Set up divine appointments every day that I would have an opportunity. Bring people in across my path that would just open the door for me to invite them to church or tell them about Jesus. Make me one of your laborers and send me out into that harvest field. The fields are white for harvest today and we need some reapers to go out and be reaping some laborers to be going out. Amen? Amen. Woo! I believe with all my heart that there are people in this community that God has ordained, has chosen and has ordained to be a part of Abundant Life Family Church. There are people in this community today that don't know it yet that are unsaved. I know the popular term is unchurched but I, I prefer to use unsaved because that's the biblical term. Amen. Praise, because there's a lot of churched people that are unsaved. Uh, let's move, let's go on. But there's people out here in this community that, that, that do not know it yet. 
but that God's will for them is that they be saved. And I believe that God has ordained certain ones to be planted here at Abundant Life Family Church. I believe that. Who are they? I don't know. But God does. And so we need to be praying for that harvest and praying that God would bring those and be commanding the enemy to release everyone that's bound by the powers of darkness, those who are bound by alcohol and drugs and sin that are in this community, that God has desired to be a part of this church, pray for their deliverance and pray that the Holy Spirit would get a hold of their hearts, convict them, and draw them right here to be saved at Abundant Life Family Church. Illuminate their minds and open their hearts to hear the Word of God, seed being sown in their life to come and be saved. I, 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 I still believe that, that the Bible says, and I talked about it a few weeks back, about the intercessory prayer, but it's when Zion travails. It's when the church begins to pray and intercede. Lord, save those. Lord, convict those. Lord, draw those. We, we break, we bind, and we break the powers of sin and darkness off of the lives of those whom God has willed to be saved here and begin to intercede and pray for souls to be saved. And if we don't have that desire to see souls saved, then we need to be getting a little closer to God ourselves. Amen? Praise God. So we pray for ourselves, and we pray for our family. We pray and establish His kingdom in our church and for our church and last of all, for our nation. For our nation. And see... Before you heard this message, you probably sat and thinking, I don't know, I, I just can't think of anything to pray about. <laughs> well, I hope I've given you some ideas tonight, okay, about, about some things to pray for. But the nation, the nation. Paul gave Timothy, told Timothy, was it 2 Timothy 2, that that prayer should be, first of all, prayers, supplications, intercessions, giving of thanks are to be made for all men, he said. And then he said, for kings. That would be the president. We don't have a king in America, but we have a president and we have a vice president for kings and for those who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We need to, and I, I know, I, know I, I fail in this area, and probably all of us do, but we, every day we need to lift our president up and call his name before the Lord and ask God to, to direct him and to guide him. He is under attack. He's under attack. I mean, the powers of darkness are attacking, and, and, and we need to be praying for him and praying against the powers of darkness. Pray for our nation. This nation needs revival. This nation needs a move of God. And, and listen, it's when God's people humble themselves and pray and seek His face, seek His face, 
that then God will hear from heaven and He will heal our land. And we need our land healed. We need revival. We need a spiritual awakening in America, in our churches. And it's going to come when the saints of God begin to pray, Your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord, in earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Singers, you can come on back, musicians. Praise God. Praise God.